Okay. Sweet. So it that makes it... It didn't ask me, like, do you want to start recording? But the eye is here. Mm-hmm. Usually, isn't there a pop-up? Yeah. Does that make you nervous? Mm. No. Just hit record on the Cubase as well. Yeah, but we want his audio. Yes, we do. It just asks us to stop recording, so obviously that was... Okay. All right, Carlo. You hit no, correct? Hey, hey. Yeah, okay, yeah. good. Okay, I'm Carlo. Not, I'm not going to start the Cubase because there's no reason... That's fine. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Okay, Carlos. So we just got done recording the, the episode. You, you decided you, you or you grace us with another five, ten minutes, however long. You tell us when to stop, okay? Because um, hopefully uh, you won't have to tell us. Hopefully we'll stop long before right, right. you have to. But I mean, so I mean, I want to know more about like who who I should be reading about because. I, you know, I've, I've, I've plowed through pl some of Plato's stuff. He has like 27 treaties. So, I mean, it's not like I've read all of them, but I mean, I've plowed through some of Plato's stuff. I've tried to get through some of uh, Aristotle's stuff. Um, I've gotten through the it's confessions. Man. It is. It's brutal. I mean, especially if you don't brutal. know, like if you're, I, you're doing listen, it on your listen, own, if you're doing it on your own, like, yeah. man, it's just like, I would love it's to be insane. able to talk to somebody and I want to, you know, I want to know what the heck's yeah. going, what, what the heck's going on here? Yeah, you, you, uh, listen, I took Aristotle, we studied both his physics and metaphysics in my philosophy of nature and metaphysics class. And this was literally just, I don't know, two semesters ago, maybe three semesters ago. And so I was approaching it with a sound philosophical background. Like I had already studied a lot of philosophy through Ed Phaser, learning a lot through him and Father Spitzer, et cetera. And I, that class was difficult <laughs> to try and figure out what the heck Aristotle was saying, man, because the nature of his books is not written in like a narrative form. It's not prose. It's not like we write books. Mm -hmm. It was lecture notes that were just kind of thrown together, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a little disjointed at times. And you would expect certain premises to be better explained in order to see the conclusion from the premises, etc. And so it's very, extremely difficult to get through. And then, of course, you have Aristotelian philosophers who will disagree upon what he says and what he doesn't say and what he means and doesn't mean. Of course, that's the nature of any ancient writings, you know, but it is difficult. That's why it's important when you're getting introduced to philosophy to read you know, secondary sources in order to at least get your feet wet, you know, to learn the terminology. It's a whole new ball game. It's a whole new language. And you got to learn how to pitch. You got to learn how to bat. You know, you got to learn the language. You got to learn the words, the terminology in order to connect the dots conce conceptually. So that's why I highly recommend it at Phaser and he, the, the variety of his works where he's promoting an Aristotelian to mystic conceptual framework that allows you to get into that world of thinking like the scholastics thought, you know, uh, the height of scholasticism, scholasticism being with St. Thomas Aquinas himself. And of course, he's pulling a lot of ideas from Aristotle, rejecting that which is not good, keeping that which is good. Uh, and then, of course, Peter Kraft, as I mentioned, he does a lot, you know, in order to synthesize a lot of stuff. He does academic stuff as well as popular level stuff. Uh, so those are places that are good to start. So one, the title of, for Phaser that I failed to mention uh, is his, his book called Aquinas for Beginners, but it's not really for beginners. They just kind of 
Frank it's like Frank Sheed's like theology for beginners, and it's like yeah. that's not or like the, or the summa, summa for yeah. beginners. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but 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 what Phaser does in his book Aquinas is he does a great job of introducing the fundamental principles and concepts of metaphysics and philosophy, right? Right. Uh, and then he 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 goes to natural theology. You know, and, and using those principles to arrive at the conclusion that God exists. Then he goes to what is called traditionally psychology, of the study of the human nature and the human soul, right? And then to ethics. And and you what you what you get is this whole conceptual framework that interlocks, right? And it mm. creates a whole universe for you to think in. It creates a life of the mind. And based on those principles, you're able to then begin going further to to start reading other philosophers and compare and contrast with this sort of Thomistic, Aristotelian Thomistic conceptual framework. In my opinion, the Aristotelian Thomistic framework wins out every time. <laughs> yeah, but so I, I, agree. I, I think that's a good point because I think that if you just start out with Aristotle, uh, and you're untrained. It's kind of it's like, like trying to read the Old Testament all by yourself. Well, that's a, I was actually like, my, my actual example was yeah. My actual example was like, hey, why don't you go read Numbers from the from the Old Testament, well, the Book and, of Leviticus, or, yeah. or Leviticus? We'll start yeah. there. And it's like yeah. or Chronicles. You know, it's like I don't like all these war data. Like I, you know, it's like that's what you want me to read first you know so i agree i think you have to have this framework you have to understand yeah. uh, you have to have something to start with because uh i wasted i think probably a lot of time reading some of this stuff and not comprehending it or not really understanding what the heck i was yeah. reading okay so carlo uh what do you think about plato yeah i mean he, he was a great philosopher um I, you know, I, I read some of his work and, and studied him a bit within my philosophical journey. I haven't read a bunch to read like on a scholarly level, you know, in order to be sort of the, a definitive voice on Plato. Uh, but he did sort of exemplify um, the, the heights to which unaided reason can achieve and, and go to. Um, there were certain aspects where he was a bit off, where Aristotle, I think, is correct, and he would correct Plato. But Plato did arrive at some truths, and he provided us some arguments for even for God's existence and arriving at a pure, sim simple being, right? Mm -hmm. uh, like, for example, the idea where you have two things that share a common feature, two distinct things that share a common feature. That common feature can't belong to any one of them by nature, so it must be given to them by some cause outside of themselves. Mm -hmm. And then you reason up a chain of causes up to a being that has that feature simply by nature, right? right. I mean, that's Plato arguing from a diverse beings with a common feature to a being with that feature by essence, you know, and it being simply good and simply one. I mean, these are lines of reasoning that Thomas Aquinas would adopt in his own philosophical right. framework so plato indeed and then of course plato has argumentation for the immateriality of the human soul right mm -hmm. and then he even he even gets to the idea of immateriality of forms now granted i think, I think aristotle was right in correcting and critiquing critiquing plato in his third realm of forms like these forms are sort of the subsistent things that exist by themselves the form of dog form of cat form of human being these are distinct things that exist by themselves in some third realm right of reality 
And mm -hmm. Aristotle would say, no, forms exist in a universal way only in the mind, and they exist concretely in things, right? There's not this third realm. Right. But Plato, the insight of Plato in that was, uh, was understanding that there's this immaterial aspect to things, right? That mm -hmm. the human being is able to come to know these immaterial things we call forms, the form of dog, the form of cat, the idea of abstraction, etc. So Plato indeed gave us um, crucial insights that Aristotle was able to build on, refine, and of course throughout the rest of uh, philosophy, the history of philosophy, great thinkers were able to elevate even Aristotle's thought as Thomas Aquinas did in his synthesis and the whole metaphysical framework. I found uh, Plato to be an easier read at first, like uh, than Aristotle, uh, right? Than Aristotle. I mean, I found right. like I, I could read it and be like, okay, I know what he's saying. I mean, a lot of times he was talking yeah. like in dialogue form, uh, sure. you know, because you know, because he was talking about Socrates, is because he was you know a student of Socrates, and so the issue is though, I think that you have to be careful because uh, a lot of times Plato seemed to be interjecting his own philosophy into what. He, Socrates was trying like into the story of Socrates saying like Socrates was saying Plato's philosophy you know he was kind of interjecting his own stuff into what Socrates was saying in this dialogue that he was writing about mm -hmm. and I mean you can't really blame him. I mean the guy's trying to write a dialogue that happened 15 years ago and I can't remember what I wore last week much less what totally. I told somebody 15 years ago totally. so I mean I understand all that but I did find Plato to be an easier read than Aristotle, at least up front. I haven't read. I'm not a scholar. I, I, know, I know. I know very little. But um, that was that was an experience that I had. So okay. So we we talked. We've talked a little bit about like kind of the uh, Socratic. We don't have to go into the sophists and all that stuff. Uh, but I do want to talk about like what happened with philosophy because um, modern philosophy, like the Enlightenment era era hit. We had some crazy things happen in philosophy because, uh, you know, I guess maybe in the 1800s, we like we just started losing it. Like it was to the point, I think, in philosophy where only philosophers could ask this question because it's just they like threw out common sense um, almost. Right. Um, so yeah, what, because, what happened? Precisely because, yeah, precisely because. Um, many of the some some philosophers cut us off from common sense so sort of the rejection of scholastic philosophy and you know, which finds its model in thomas aquinas began with De, rene descartes french philosopher yeah descartes like of the uh se 17th century so 1600s and uh basically you know he he employed what he called a, a methodological doubt so he just sort of doubting everything his senses doubting everything that we know and sort of came to this one fundamental thing that you can't doubt namely that i think right so if mm. i'm a thinking thing if i'm thinking then i must exist so i am and then he would try to build up a philosophy from that in order to try to get back outside of himself right and there's some problems with how he did that right and there are even some problems with his methodological doubt and doubting our senses, which led to hyper-skepticism of our senses. Mm -hmm. And if you s begin to be skeptical of our interaction with real things through our senses, well, then you cut yourself off from the outside world and you undermine all of scholastic philosophy. But, and then philosophy going back to Aristotle, because 
for Aristotle and St. Thomas Aquinas, knowledge begins in the senses, right? Mm -hmm. This mm -hmm. is one of the things I failed to mention in the broadcast was that the, the beauty of the Aristotelian domestic philosophy and the beauty of philosophy in general is it starts with common experience. Mm -hmm. It explains common sense. It's not specialized experience of chemical compounds and atoms and protons and quarks. I mean, we don't right. deal with that stuff. Right, but it starts with the tree outside, man. It starts with the cup on the desk, right? It starts with you know you and me talking and moving and change itself. Well, I mean, we can be more fundamental than change, right? Mm -hmm. And so that sort of philosophy explains the fundamental causes of those things, the ultimate explanations of these mundane, common, experiential things. But if you if you doubt your senses. But then you cut yourself off to all of those common experiential things, those things of common experience. And thus you're trapped within your mind, within your own mind, within yourself, and you have a hard time getting out back outside. So sort of this revolution of philosophy started with Rene Descartes, and then it found a height of expression of sort of this revolution in philosophy with Immanuel Kant, German philosopher who died in 1804. But he was, you know, the majority of his writings came in the mid to late 1700s, so 18th century philosopher. And basically, the bottom line for Kant is he postulated this idea that everything that we experience from the outside world is just bits and pieces of things, right? Mm -hmm. But that we have these sort of innate mental constructs, innate ideas that allows us to take all of this sensory data and construct it, right? to come to know things. So we don't know things as they are in and of themselves outside of outside of us. Outside of us is just a bunch of stuff. And as it's hitting us, we're we're constructing it and forming it into these things, right? That we call dog and we call cat and we call human. And so rather than the mind conforming to the things outside of ourselves that we come to experience through our sensory perception, right? Through sense knowledge. It's at for Kant, it's actually reality, things out there conforming to the mind. And this was this is the seed of what we see in modern thought of relativism, right? Where thought actually determines what is real. Now, Kant was not a relativist. He would he would salvage that form of relativism by saying we're just all human beings is a brute fact that we have these innate ideas and these mental constructs that form these things into certain things that we call cat, dog, human being, etc. And he would even acknowledge God's existence, although he didn't think we could not know God's existence through a metaphysical approach as St. Thomas Aquinas. But fundamentally, that world, that philosophical method, right, is just totally revolutionized all of philosophy and led to many modern methods of philosophy today that are in, that contrast themselves with the Aristotelian Thomistic philosophy. So Aristotelian and Thomistic philosophers are always bought battling, right, with these ideas that Immanuel Kant brought up and the ideas of Rene Descartes in order to re-establish a firm foundation for the Aristotelian Thomistic approach. And Dr. Ed Fazer is one of those philosophers who does a great job at that. That's why I highly recommend him. And one, one other thing, too, it, one thought occurred to me, I failed to mention this when I was defining philosophy in the broadcast. One of the key elements is that, I, don't, I can't remember if I said it or not, but seeking to find the ultimate causes of things by the natural light of human reason. So what we can know by reason 
and alone without God's revelation. And I can't remember if I made that distinction or not, but that's a crucial distinction that distinguishes philosophy from theology. Carlo, uh, recently I told the story of when you came to Tulsa and we uh, sat down for a meal and talked about lying. Yeah, lying. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I told the story. The way I told it was like, well, it was true. At the beginning, I was like, in my head, no, Carlo, you're wrong. That is not the way it is. And then at the end, I said, oh, okay. <laughs> I just really appreciated that conversation. I just wanted to get a chance to tell you that. Um, well, thank you, man. Yeah, you did, speaking of Ed Fazer, he's one of those hardcore Thomas who will say it's never okay to pervert the communicative faculty. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, uh, you have totally changed the way I think about two things, which does not happen. You know, like, it, those events are very rare where you say, yeah, I, total used life to think, change. I used to think one thing and now I think the other. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, the other one was on, um, well, not the death penalty per se in general, but uh, you really cleared up for me the purpose of retributive justice. And just the other day in the office, there's a, I was talking to the fellow Catholic and he was at, you know, we were talking about, you know, Pope Francis changing the death penalty. And um, I explained to him how, what you told me about retributive justice is to restore the displeasure that should have been there with the act, you know, you, you know, the criminal receives pleasure right. from an act that he should have received displeasure from. And he said, that is the first time I have ever heard a valid argument for the death penalty. And I was like, well, there you go. Yeah. You can, th you can yeah. thank Carlo Broussard for that. So, yeah. Well, well whenever you employ the other, meet the other purposes of punishment, there, you know, there are secondary and thirdary, uh, secondary and tertiary, right? So, but the primary purpose is retributive justice. So if you get rid of the idea of retributive justice, well then, if you can detain somebody and protect that person from society, you know, well then there's no need for the death penalty, right? Because if your only purpose is to detain, right, well then you're gonna have no further need for this, the gravest form of punishment for the gravest crime in order for retributive justice uh, to take place. So. So yeah, it's important, man. That, that's that's a, that's a, a landfield. Yeah, of yeah, a different topic. That, yeah, yeah, topic. yeah. Anyway, that, I just that wanted requires to, such precision of thought. It, it's it's an amazing topic, though. I just wanted uh, to let you know yeah, that yeah, that our conversation has borne fruit. Yeah, and see the good of philosophy, right? Yes, exactly. And that's that's why I love talking to you because it it, it pushes me intellectually to where I, it's like, oh, okay, I didn't think about that. You know, I had this line of arguments, a train of thought, and I missed a step early, which totally ruined what my conclusion was going to be. Anyway, I love that's why I really enjoyed talking to you. Which also, by the way, um, we like. So I haven't had had a chance to tell Dave this. Um, we're in the process of working to try to get Carlo back out here. Uh, Sweet. Uh, uh, Did you know that, Carlo? Yes, I've been talking I knew to that, him. Man. So he doesn't tell me anything. Well, because I only tell you on the need, <laughs> I need to know basis, and you didn't need to know yet. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, so hopefully we can make it happen, man. 
Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, dude, that would uh, be great. Uh, Alan Taylor from It's a Sign. Yeah, yeah. He wants to host a an event, bring Carlo in, um, and, you know, support it. Yeah. And so the idea is is to get him out here and just have, like, where Carlo gives one talk uh, with however we want to... However we want to do it, where Carlo gives a talk and then it, uh, we have... It's a two-night deal of us three basically just kind of doing exactly what we're doing right now. That would be so awesome. Uh, we're all just sitting down together and just kind of like talking. Cheers to Jesus, brother. Yeah, and yeah. and uh, and just kind of fleshing ideas out. Obviously, you and I will just kind of tee him up and let him. Yes. Let him do that. Totally. But the idea would, would be, be a lot of fun. Yeah, and the idea would be to to get uh, uh, Dante. Bunch of men there. To uh, get a bunch of men there, but get Dante there to video it for us. Okay. Um, to where we'll have like a nice high-end production super facebookable yeah and yeah so that way it would be so anyway that's in the works we're trying to get that knocked out awesome um, so pray for that i will yes i'll pray for it on my way home uh so okay so the last thing that i, I think i have i mean i have a lot of things i'd love to talk to you about but uh, yeah, we, my, we, i think my wife is ready to uh put yeah. the kids to bed I, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so so we have uh, Dr. Edward Fazer, we have Dr. Peter Kreeft. Those are the two that you kind of threw out there for uh, modern philosophy, you know, people right now. Anybody else that you can think of? Uh, you know, I, I I would highly recommend a great resource. I use this gentleman all the time. He's a good friend of mine, and I've learned a lot from him, Dr. Scott Sullivan, and he has um, his website is scottmsullivan.com he has a production company called classical theist production but he also recently opened an online school of philosophy uh, and theology it's called aquinas school of philosophy and theology and i think it's um let's see uh is it aquinas hmm i can't remember the uh, the website um Man, I wish I could think of it. But if, if you just Google Aquinas School of Philosophy and Theology, Scott Sullivan, it should take you to it. I can't remember the Doran website. But, uh, oh, look, here it is right here. Let's see here. ThomasAquinas.org. I think it's the website. What a URL. Sullivan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and what, what the school does is he gives a plethora of introductory courses to philosophy, to theology, to logic, to Christian apologetics, you know, where we're just sort of defending Jesus and the Gospels, yeah. etc., leaving somebody up to faith in Christ, various disputed questions, how to counter atheism, how to critique atheism, many courses, very digestible, and he got his PhD from University of St. Thomas in Houston a couple, about three years ago, I guess, three or four years ago, and uh, he's from Texas. Um, MMA fighter kind of guy. He trains in fighting, so he's a great manly guy. You might even think about getting him on the Catholic Man Show. Uh, he, he's full time martial art instructor, man, and like fight stuff. He's super cool. He's like hardcore, rigorous, Thomistic philosopher and theologian. You know, awesome. Uh, and so, yeah, and so I totally recommend your listeners to check him out and his courses. And you will do exactly what we're trying to get people to do here: is have get their feet wet in the life of the mind and in philosophical thought cool okay uh we gotta let him go carlo peace to you man god I'm, bless I'm, you i'm Thanks super for grateful time. yeah super grateful hey, for you man, man. thank y'all thank y'all for the opportunity i am totally grateful as well it's always a pleasure and anytime guys 
I would love to uh, lift just, up a glass to Jesus with you. A yeah. final note to all of our listeners. Uh, if you guys are looking for a mission for your parish, your parish mission or yep. you know, uh, Advent's coming up, uh, have Carlo come out because he, the man can talk about yeah, he, just about he rocks. anything re- revolving around the man, Jesus Christ. So Yes. Uh, Highly recommend it. Yeah, because he came to Tulsa. That's why we're gonna have him back out. If you guys want to sponsor an event, like if if we're gonna have Carlo out, you want to you have a business, you want us to sponsor part of it, uh, let us know because that's how we're gonna kind of get everything working. And the and the more we have, the more sponsors we have, the higher quality we can get. The you know the bigger we can make it. Yeah. yeah. So we're gonna try to get that again. Anyway, Carlo, thank you, brother. Uh, Prepare the way. Go check that out as well. Um, We'll talk to you soon. God bless. Peace. Peace.